Tina Waldrum. I'm the host of this podcast. This show is all about giving you, the listener, actionable insights to share your faith. I interview church leaders and congregation members alike to gain some understanding that both you and I can implement to share Jesus. Every week I work hard to locate and interview someone who can share their experience. Can you do me a favour? Would you mind sharing today's episode with one or two people that you know? One or two people that would be encouraged, that would be helped by today's content. Just copy the link and send it on via text or email. I'd love to see more people encouraged to share their faith. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum, and today I'm speaking with David Miles, who is a church planter in the Blue Mountains, west of Sydney, and on the leadership team of Soma Australia. Today, we are going to talk about being gospel-centred in our mission. Welcome to you, David. Hi. It is great to have you along, David. How long have you been uh, since you planted been in the whole church planting game? Well, 10 years for this church. We've tried to plant churches before, so this is our third. The first one went well, the second one didn't go so well. The third one's going well. Great to hear. Just tell me briefly, because now you've made me very inquisitive, why is this one more successful than the others? Well, I think we're doing it with SOMA. Uh, We've discovered SOMA and missional communities and gospel centrality and all kinds of wonderful things that weren't around when I first planted a church. Yeah, experience is a great teacher, Mm. that's for sure. Let's talk about SOMA. Who are they and um, what are they doing in Australia and what's the the ad, you know, that they've brought to your equation? Yeah, well, SOMA is a church planning movement. It's also a family of churches, so you can join the family or just benefit from the movement. We produce lots of literature about missional communities and we're reformed, we're evangelical, but we have a kind of radical approach to church and being on mission, being strongly in community. And SOMA really brought a way to do that, a way to structure that, a way to see that grow and flourish and be well supported. Mm. Where are they from, David, with the SOMA as an organisation? SOMA started in Tacoma, south of Seattle in the United States and uh, in an industrial city and Jeff Vanderstelt and team started Soma Tacoma and what happened was people heard about what they were doing and wanted to come and find out and so many people were coming that they started a Soma school which is a week-long church planting school and people came from all over the world. Thousands have now done that one-week training and got on the on the juggernaut as it were and uh, got involved and, and used their stuff and so we have Lots of people across the world, Europe, Japan, South Africa, Australia, Canada, Mexico, uh, Russia even, uh, using SOMA kinds of material. Yeah, wonderful. And I'll put a link actually to the uh, Saturate the World resources and content that's out there. Let's talk about this focus on the Gospels and being more Gospel-centred in our mission because I would think that that, David, is a a no-brainer, but you are very passionate about this. What is it that we're missing and what does that mean for you to be more Gospel-centred in our mission? Yeah, putting the Gospel at the centre is something that happens in all of our lives, not just our mission. So we form communities centred on the Gospel 
uh, we call them gospel communities <laughs> for that reason. They're really missional communities, but we wanted to call them gospel communities because that's the foundation, the gospel with Jesus at the centre, his death for us, his resurrection, his giving of the spirit and all that he calls us to in the gospel and who we are in the gospel. So we try to live that out in community. Uh, the starting place is the gospel. Simon Sinek did a, t a TED talk on start with why. And it's our why, uh, the glory of the gospel, the glory of Jesus Christ, his death for us, and what that means for who we are, our identity in Christ, and then living that out, thinking thoughtfully about how can we express that identity in Christ. Without the identity piece, we miss some of the gospel. But to know who we are in Christ is motivational. It suggests that we ought to live a certain way, that if we are the family of God, we ought to live as family. If we are missionaries, we ought to live as missionaries. If we are servants through the gospel, we ought to live as servants. If we are the bride of Christ, we ought to feel uh, and think through what that means for us and so on and so forth. And so these gospel communities really are focused on, okay, what is the gospel? Who is Jesus? What has he called us to be? Who are we in Christ? How fantastic is that? And now, oh, how can we live that out? How can we be family? How can we be on mission together? How can we serve? How can we be disciples of Jesus and so on? And so it's a life that's saturated with the gospel and then that flows out into our mission because we're always speaking the gospel to each other. We're digging into it. We're finding out about it. The preaching that we do on a Sunday is very gospel-centred. Uh, Tim Keller has been very helpful to us in how to do that and how to think about that. But we want to bring that to bear in these communities so that people are learning to be gospel fluent. They're, they're learning to, to know how to apply the gospel to all of life. And then it's just natural to speak the gospel to one another. So it's then natural to speak to others who are not yet Christian. And so then we try to serve others, love others, and we try to have a very specific mission focus where, where we can really show Jesus to those others and then speak the gospel in those relationships in a, in a deeper way, not just a tokenistic way, not just uh, go through some steps, you know, some sort of little gospel presentation, but the gospel sort of brought into the conversation at a depth because we're doing that all the time. Yeah, that's a wonderful answer. That has given me a lot to think about <laughs> in just one minute. Let me just prod a little bit further, David. Can you unpack for me a little bit on that difference of using the word gospel communities up against missional communities, because it is a big discussion out there, missional communities. Can we push into that a little bit further? Like what is the clear distinction that you do see from when you're watching people engaged in missional communities up against what you're saying gospel communities? I'm sure there's just a little tweaking there. Yeah. How would we best describe that? Yes, we, we partly got excited about SOMA because it was theologically driven, uh, that, that there was some really strong work on what is the gospel and what does it mean for us in every day. And if you place that at the centre, that empowers your missional community, that shapes it, that sustains it and creates around it good community and good mission. It brings health, it brings you know, all, all the benefits and fruits of the gospel into that community and then onto that mission. So a lot of groups have had missional communities, but 
they look more like social action groups or they're doing good things and so on. But there's just not enough focus on uh, Jesus and the gospel and, and applying that to our own lives so that our love in community and the fruit of our community uh, is dynamic and speaks to those who we're trying to reach out to. And community is the, the greatest apologetic for the gospel. Uh, our love for one another, Jesus said, will show that we are his disciples. And our unity, he prayed, would show that he has been sent from the Father. So our love and unity, though, can only be sustained through a constant life in the gospel. The gospel is not our A to C, but our A to Z. (laughs) That is a fantastic answer, David. That was very, very clear. And I'm glad that you made that point because it is true, but you have to be very intentional about that when you work out what it is that, you know, is is missing or what needs to be honed a little further. Mm. Is there a difference between, for you, between being gospel-centric and Jesus-centric? Yeah, uh, that's a, it's a great question because sometimes when people talk about being gospel-centred, they forget that Jesus is at the centre of the gospel and his death for us is resurrection and giving of the Spirit and that he still rules and that he's still at work among us. And so we try to talk about Jesus a lot. And I'm just doing uh, a year-long series called The Story and Way of Jesus. And we just want, we want to be talking about Jesus and we want to make much of Jesus. That's another phrase we use a lot. Uh, In our gatherings, we want Jesus to be the focus himself and we want to worship Jesus. So without that sense that these groups are worshipping Jesus, (laughs) And we know Jesus through the gospel, but we know Jesus through what we're the message about Jesus, but it's about Jesus. <laughs> and so we, we want to honor him, love him, respond to him, be aware of his presence through through the spirit. Um, we yeah, it's got to be about him. Yes, absolutely. And again, David, I really appreciate what you're saying because it's again just pushing into something that maybe we can assume but really you're being very intentional about it and trying to teach that, teach that to others. Sure. Tell us a little bit about the community that you're now leading. How does it look? How does this gospel community look and what do you do? How do you gather all of those things? Indeed. Uh, Yes. Well, we have nine gospel communities in different locations across the Blue Mountains and we do gather together on Sunday And our gatherings are fairly typical for a church. There are a number of things that perhaps are a little bit unique, but our gospel communities are quite unique and that we want to do life on life, life in community and life on mission in those gospel communities. And so it's life in Christ, of course. (laughs) That's the main thing, as I've just said. But we, we want to grow in life in Christ by living life on life, life in community, life on mission. And so that's, that's what happens. There's a lot more shared life. These gospel communities figure out their own rhythms uh, to express the gospel, to express what it means to be Jesus' disciples. And they think that through themselves. We have all kinds of training on how they might do that and how they might form a, a bit of a covenant uh, uh, together about how they're going to live together and and do things together in the next three months or so. And then that keeps being revisited as you go further on. So so they're they're groups that think through 
very deliberately, how do we live life on life so we're really close up to each other and we know each other well? Um, how do we live in community so that all the gifts are working and that there's many touches a week, not just one? Uh, not everyone has to be together for those touches, but if we had four to six touches a week happening in that community, then it's it's more like a life together and less like just a meeting. Uh, and so it's a rich life where we might be dropping over meals for people or helping them with various things or we might be we have these little DNA groups which are discipleship triads where it's guys or girls, three people who 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 particularly go deep with each other. So they'll be meeting at different times as well as our family meal each week as a whole group as well as missional activities. Uh, not everyone will be at everything all the time and, and so it's, it's kind of, you know, every group's a bit different but... The group does to, together think through how are we going to do this, how are we going to express our life in Christ by, by life on life, life in community, life on mission, and what is our mission and who do we know and who can we reach out to and who can we love? Can we be specific about that? Well, it would be good to have 12 names or something like that of people that we are particularly wanting to overlap our life as a community with and we're wanting to both show and share Jesus with. Uh, so there's lots of different dimensions. We we focus on stories. So we're story formed, we say. We're formed in the gospel story, but we also listen to one another's stories and the stories of those around us. And it's as we listen to their stories and draw that out time and time again as we get to know them more and more that we share our story and we share our testimony and and Jesus comes out in that kind of context. And it's as we serve and love that there are opportunities for that story to come out, both as we're listening to the people and as they're listening to us in response. And it's kind of a natural thing. We're natural but intentional. We don't want to sort of force it in, a, in an unnatural way, but we do want to pray for it, train for it, have intention, do some planning. Um, all sorts of gifts come into play in that moment of planning and strategy and who's going to do what and communicating that to the group, what's next, guys, where should we be, what, what ought we to be doing, who's going to be there, who's going to cook, who's going to follow up this person or how can we love this other person. So it's, it's an, there's a lot more discussion in these groups about what we're doing. Every family meal probably has a bit of discussion around, okay, how's our mission going and what's next and how can we pray for that. So, yeah, this gives you a little insight into the life of these gospel communities. I absolutely love it. I'm all in. I just love what you're saying, David. I'm just thinking, is it difficult to take people on this journey? Because, I mean, I love reaching out to people around me that don't know Christ. I love being in my community. Even this morning I was connecting with people at one of the kids' schools. I, I, I absolutely love it. But I naturally think that way. Is it difficult to form a group of people and actually move them around Christ's mission? Yeah, the gospel really helps there. So the gospel, again, uh, inspires, empowers, encourages us to take up this lifestyle. Without that gospel centre, it's very hard. Um, it breaks down, people give up and so on. And without that sense that we're praying and the Spirit is doing it for us, the Spirit is at work, and without that sense that we need each other in this, so we're all encouraging each other and using our various gifts, 
that that makes it possible. Um, also, the fact that some people have missional gifts, some people have pastoral gifts, and it's the blending of those two kind of houses, if you will, that um, that works. So you've got the people who want to care for the flock and who want to study the Bible and disciple the group and keep it safe, keep it on track with God and and speak the gospel into all of life in the community. But there are those who, who keep saying, what about the lost? How can we reach out? What's next? And have energy to reach those other people. We have leaders in our, we have four leaders in our group usually. And some of the leaders are more missional, some are more pastoral, some are more administration. You might have a visionary leader that's driving the whole thing. There's a collection of people with different giftings and emphases that that give it the dynamism that we're seeing. Uh, without that missional gifting, and it sounds like you have it, it, it's very hard. So we don't beat people over the head because they're not on mission enough. Uh, what we rather would do is say, hey, why don't you pray that God would send you some missional giftings who can help drive that and encourage that group in that direction. Mission isn't easy. Mission is incredibly hard, especially if you're not, uh, you know, inclined that way or don't have gifts that make it easy for you to talk to new people or to or to reach out in that sense. Um, so, yeah, we, we need each other in the body of Christ so one of the emphases that we've had from the very beginning is gifts. How do we understand gifts? How do we work together? How do we value one another? I'm talking about missional gifts. That might include a, a range of things. It certainly would include evangelists, people who just love sharing the gospel and are doing it all over the place. And we certainly have quite a few of those. But there are also people who want to just organise the thrust forward who 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 are, or who are great connectors with those who are on the outside of the church, uh, and who just just have a passion for it, and who, and then you have people with the gift of prayer, so praying for all the people that we're trying to to reach out to, and then of course the spirit enables it, and it just happens. So, gift of prayer also very important in this, and then without the pastoral gifts, it all falls apart. <laughs> We part company because there's too much uh, that goes wrong. Uh, but the pastoral people keep us unified, keep us centred on Jesus, keep listening, keep getting alongside of people, keep hearing their heart and keep caring for the, their heart. So it's all of that. Mm. So it sounds like it's a beautiful blend to actually bring a group of people together and to validate everyone's different gifts and to somehow bring them together to help the group be on mission rather than an individual be on mission. Is that what you're saying? Yes, indeed. And I should add the gift of leadership into that list of gifts, people who are able to do all of that, to bring all that together and inspire that. And people that people love following, people who are great at recruiting people, People are great at uh, being clear what the vision is and where we're going and who can convince everybody else of that as well and, and keep the whole thing humming. So we really need the gift of leadership. And I would say that a lot of people in churches with the gift of leadership are frustrated. Certainly those with the gift of mission are often frustrated as well. 
Um, but leadership too is it's an interesting one that if your church just wants you to come to a gathering every Sunday and maybe be on a roster, that's not really speaking to your gifting. And so those people will tend to go into parachurch ministries or somewhere else where they can serve God in their leadership capacity. What we've done with SOMA is we've given a trajectory of leadership. You can join our church and you can lead a missional community or gospel community, which is a complex thing, uh, and then you can multiply that out and lead a, a number of missional communities and that could even one day turn into a new church plant. So there isn't a ceiling on leadership. And so we tend to attract leaders. We tend to attract entrepreneurs uh, and so on. So your stable, static, parish type of ministry led typically by a pastor doesn't attract those sort of people as well or they're frustrated in that system. And I don't want to paint the brush too firmly across all of those churches because they're because there are great leaders in parish ministry who do recognise the gift of leadership and give a place for it and encourage it. But our, our way of doing it sort of automatically does that, that uh, these missional communities are fairly autonomous. They're, you know, they're not just doing a program that, that the pastor has established for them. They're working it all out themselves. How are they going to be on mission? How are they going to disciple people? How are they going to train their people? How are they going to include all the gifts and so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a higher level of leadership that's required and it's a capacity to work in a team. And I think that's great. I think that's absolutely fantastic because you're discipling leaders all the time and you're looking for them, you're cultivating, and that's just got to be great for the church wherever they go from here. Yeah, totally agree. I'm I'm so excited hearing you talk talking about it and just articulating things in, you know, just in some new ways that I haven't really heard people talk about those things so clearly. What I want to ask you about is your comment that you made about, oh, someone might be leading a missional community and they do have that gift of leadership and it ends up being a, a few communities that could end up being a church plant. So you're not seeing the gospel community as the church plant. When does it evolve to being a church plant? What's the definition of that? Yeah, I mean, we have never really done it that way, although in other countries that happens. What we have seen is the groups do multiply. And if a group multiplies in a region, you know, in the same location, which is distinct geographically from the rest of the church, that might be a reason to say, okay, that's a church plant and now we'll put eldership over it and we'll support it and we'll view it as a separate church plant. And there might be a, a transition stage for that. But if you had three missional communities that were fairly good size in a particular region distinct from where we already are, uh, that that's just sounds like, well, we'll pray about it, we'll seek God and, and if we feel like the Spirit is leading us there, will start to train that whole thing up into uh, its own church plant. Yeah, very interesting. Intriguing, the whole discussion. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to see more of that, actually, and I, I haven't seen that as much as I would have liked in so far. But we are attracting more and more entrepreneurial leaders and it would be interesting to see how that develops over time. 
And we certainly want a situation which is expansive. I've been in churches where I couldn't do what I wanted to do. You know, there was always a ceiling. And I don't like that. I, I, I think we've got to have a different mindset, much more like the first century where it's an organic church planning reality which is growing and expanding and new leaders are then taking up new positions, you know, within that and it's growing out. Yes, well, I think one of the challenges is that um, potentially there is a loss of control right. when people want to go or facilitate what you're saying. Exactly, and control is a big issue in the church and I think if you're more missionally gifted, you have less concern about control typically. If you're more pastorally gifted, control will be more naturally what you are thinking about. It's just the nature of the thing, that the more missional gifting is more expansive. Let's get it out there. Let's get to the people who need the gospel, whereas the pastoral is let's protect the flock. So so there are different gifts in the church, and I'm certainly not critical of, of churches that are more controlling, but I think we've got to find a, a healthy medium between control and expansion. And SOMA is is trying to do that, essentially. They're, they're trying to have the best of both worlds. And one thing that attracted me to SOMA was the way it can grow without losing its DNA. And it can include new leaders and, and give them great leadership potential without losing the DNA because of the way it's structured, the way it multiplies, the way people are trained and eldership and the way that happens. Yeah, absolutely love it. That's the hope. <laughs> Let me ask you one final question um, today, David. If you think of churches that are out there that are, you know, well-established churches that, you know, are having the conversation, we're really not being as effective as we want to be reaching our communities for Christ, what would be a couple of steps that people could make to kind of move in this direction, to be more gospel community or to develop or how could a church even move in that direction? Yeah, that is a great question. Yeah, I think firstly the elders need to start praying. I think that's really, really, really important. And and if repentance is required from the elders, then that's really important. And it's important that the church sees that repentance. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen church leadership repenting of their lack of mission and their lack of seeking uh seeking others to be saved as actively as they perhaps ought to have been or they feel that they should have been. And I think that's that's healthy for the church to see the elders and leaders, pastors, coming to a place of humility and seeking God. Then I think if you have small groups, uh, you can very easily start the journey <laughs> and suggest that people start having a meal every time they meet rather than just uh, dips and chips and so that that's a great thing. And, and to start thinking about some non-Christians that they can reach out to as a group and start praying for those non-Christians and then start saying, well, let's have a barbecue here and we'll do this over there and start to strategize and start to, and maybe it's only three or four non-Christians that's, that are known to the group and it's pretty easy. You know, they're, they're close. They're, they're people that have some sort of overlap with the, with the group or could have some sort of overlap with the group, so there's proximity. Uh, you know, just 
just get some low-hanging fruit going where get the groups to, to do those easy steps. That'll be a start. Uh, some of the groups you'll find will go further f- uh, faster and they'll be then a model for the rest of the church and and to have a situation where the, the community can hear the story of what's been happening in those groups and when they're seeing fruit or when they're getting excited about the gospel going forward or, or excited about deeper community in their group, it's great to hear those stories in the gathering or in the service that you're having so that others can say, oh, we would like to be involved in that as well or how can we do that in our group as well. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I'd, I'd suggest, just basic stuff like that. That's a brilliant answer and very doable and achievable for, you know, most churches out there. David, this has been a fascinating conversation, very, very pragmatic, some great takeaways there and lots to think about. Thank you so much for your time today and enjoy the Blue Mountains. Thank you. We're here to tell a story where the last thing in 